Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, this will probably be something you're listening to the Christmas week here. So Merry Christmas to you. Hopefully you got what you wanted this year. And uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. This is like, you know, like the 10th uh, Christmas uh, edition. <laughs> well, formula, it just keeps going and going. I wonder how long this will go. Maybe another 10 years. What do you think? When I first started this podcast a decade ago, though, I was, it was interesting, you know, when you go back and you listen to yourself, because I was a very different guy. It was a very anti-Wall Street. It's not like I'm pro-Wall Street now, but anti-Wall Street, that's what I identified myself. And what does that even mean though, right? I mean, I guess I, I hadn't even really contemplated that. It's like, it's, it reminds me of a lot of people who protest stuff right now and they don't even really know what it is that they're protesting, but they like to protest it or they like to say it's wrong or it's, you know, factually incorrect or whatever. And they don't, Really have but anyway, the the point is that I I kind of had this sort of stance, you know. My show started not too long after the two thousand eight two thousand nine financial meltdown. Most, uh, you know, many of us uh, saw the greed that was unveiling during that period. Uh, clearly, was Wall Street in you know eye popping. Uh, greed that we saw with major institutions uh, folding, but yet the people who caused the disaster in the first place, um, you know, floating away with golden parachutes, hundreds of millions of dollars. In the meantime, people losing all of their money. Uh, anyway, that to me was Wall Street. And I wanted nothing to do with it. And actually, to be honest, I didn't have anything to do with it anyway. Because at that point, I just finished surgical training. So all that, uh, you know, uh, losing money part, I didn't really participate in because I didn't have any money to lose. But what it did do for me is I, it did emphasize a concept to me that I uh, grew up with anyway. And that um, was a concept or a, a mentality that as a son of a scrappy immigrant, let's call him a slumlord, sure, kind of a slumlord, not in a bad way, just, you know, slum landlord, my dad, I knew that there was a different way of creating financial success and simply handing it over to wealth managers that were part of the traditional finance, what I call sort of the Wall Street paradigm, right? Uh, that's a Wall Street paradigm. That is a, a, a kind of traditional paradigm where we're, you know, we're, we're told that that's the way you're supposed to do it. And if you're not doing it that way, 
you are being irresponsible. Now, these days, I'm not like, you know, pro Wall Street at all, but I'm a lot more level-headed. That tends to happen when you get older, right? I don't see traditional public equity markets as empirically evil. I mean, it's not really evil. Stock market's not evil. It's just volatile and it's kind of, you know, based on a lot of, you know, emotion and valuations that are kind of off the wall. But I'm also acutely aware that investing outside of Wall Street has its pitfalls too. And you know what? Here's the thing. You can and you will lose money investing outside of Wall Street as well. That's just that's just a fact. And while you may avoid greedy CEOs responsible for mortgage meltdowns in 2008 if you you know if you're outside of Wall Street you also have to avoid the charlatans that inhabit this wild west of private investing right so it's not like you're it's not like you're immune from the bad guys there's bad guys everywhere so what do I mean by all this well the economy did a number on a lot of us in in the last year and we in some cases, we lost money, but you know, and the reality is that it was kind of fair and square in the sense that no one actually stole it. It's just we were victims of the market, and that is going to happen. But there were also multiple Ponzi schemes out there, and there were downright terrible business models that were just poorly vetted by uh, capital aggregators because everybody got in on the capital aggregation business. Right. The point is that there are landmines everywhere. Pick your poison. The good news is, though, you just need to win most of the time. That's what you got to do. You got to win most of the time. If you lose money once or twice, but you win most of the time, you win. You win the game. It's more wins than losses. It's like winning a division or something like that. You know? I know. Because that's what I've been able to do over the past decade. And as a result, by most measures, I've become at least financially defined as wealthy as an individual. I've got probably plenty of other things in my life that are not as wealthy or I need a lot of work on. But financially, yeah, it worked. It worked for me. That said, I've always, you know, I'm always striving to become better uh, in a lot of ways, uh, uh, probably mostly in business. That's where I, I focus uh, as an investor and a a lot of that revolves around understanding my own strengths and weaknesses uh, and trying to uh, especially compensate for the weaknesses. And by the way, I mean, I think that's an ongoing thing, right? I mean, I've learned a lot in the last year. I learned a lot in the year before that. And every time I think I'm smart, I, you know, I get kicked in the butt and I'm like, okay, well, you still got, you know, you might be smarter, right? You might be smarter than you were before. I'm certainly smarter than I was 10 years ago. Certainly smarter than I was two years ago, but it's an ongoing process. You just got to, you just got to win more than you lose. One of the things that I was thinking about in terms of my weaknesses, at least in terms of my portfolio is that, you know, I really should have, you know, I'm, listen, I'm a real estate guy. I really get 80% of my wealth is in real estate. And I really, should have a little bit more outside of real estate. I really should. And frankly, I have been very reluctant to do that um, from an investor standpoint because most of the time I just don't feel comfortable with it, which has actually been a good thing because a lot of things didn't turn out uh, in the ecosystem 
here at least uh, uh, to turn out well. Uh, I just didn't know how to vet them, right? I didn't know how to look at them. And so that's why I partnered with uh, uh, Zolfielli, who's really, uh, and is a broker dealer, but he's really world-class at evaluating businesses, former chief investment officer for a, a major sovereign wealth fund, all that kind of thing. And so I found a weakness and I said, well, hey, I have a weakness. How are we going to fix this weakness? Well, if you can't do it yourself, you find the people who can fix the weakness for you. And I think this is going to be really good, you know, for me. And I think it's going to be really good for Investor Club in, in the coming years. I think it's going to be a truly unique platform uh, and best in class, in my opinion, for retail investors. And so that's pretty exciting. By the way, sign up for Investor Club if you uh, haven't done so and you are an accredited investor because that's where this is all going to happen. Now, I'm also uh, thinking about potentially starting other businesses in 2024. I have not started other uh, business businesses in a while, but I am starting to think about it again, possibly a franchise or some other, you know, low time commitment endeavor uh, that will just help me to, again, diversify. Why? Well, it's, it's fun for me. And uh, I mean, I actually get a kind of get a rush from, you know, businesses and working on them and making them profitable and all that kind of stuff. And I have a track record for success in business. I've done it before. Um, it's worked for me. And again, I could use some diversity. Now, remember, personal finance is personal. There's not a single recipe for success. Uh, the principles of wealth building tend to be pretty constant at least, but the ways that people generate the cash to build the wealth uh, is really limitless. And I encourage you to consider taking a deep dive for yourself on this topic. You might find uh, that, you know, remaining purely passive as an investor is indeed what suits you best and that simply diversifying your assets is all you need to do. And again, we'll be doing plenty of that this uh this year in, in 2024, I should say, um, with our with our platform being developed uh, further into all these interesting uh, spaces outside of real estate, uh, like M and A and and uh, you know in the aviation sector and all that kind of thing. On the other hand, you might discover that there's an inner entrepreneur that lies within you that wants to come out and shake things up a bit. And if that's the case, that's cool too. Uh, that that that'll be an adventure. So my guests on Wealth Formula podcast today, well, they emphasize the differences between investor types. It's part of uh, kind of what their whole uh, whole thing is. Um, they have their own podcast as well. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to drill down a little bit on the concept of figuring out what type of investor you are. And in uh, a, a lot more other, lot of other topics of interest as well. So when we come back, we will have the guys from Wealth Without Wall Street. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? 
to learn more, go to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guests on Wealth Formula Podcast. A couple guys with a podcast of their own. Uh, the podcast is called Wealth Without Wall Street. And my guests are the hosts of that, Joey Murray and Russ Morgan. Guys, welcome to the program. Thank you um, both for sir. having us. Yeah, glad to be here. So, fellow podcasters, um, you guys have been going at it for a while. I don't know who to ask this question to first, but when did you start and why did you start uh, this podcast? I'll, yes, I'll jump. I'll jump in there, Russ. Or <laughs> Russ will always try to overtake me, so I have to get my words in as soon as oh. I can. Oh no! But, but we started the podcast in 2017, and it's interesting. Um, I think you know, even from your story, you mentioned not always having everything planned out in advance. Yeah. Um, that is exactly what happened with our podcast. We didn't even know, we never even listened to podcasts before a young guy in our office said, you guys need a podcast. We we're like, absolutely. We need a podcast. What is that? You know? And That's right. We, we started, you know, really came from this idea book that we were having individual conversations in our office with people and the rest of our clients didn't get those conversations. And so we said, well, he said, start, start a podcast. Then you could record it and you can send it out to all your clients at one time. Everybody gets the same information. This is really valuable. And we thought, okay, so the 200 clients that we had will get to listen to this podcast. And little did we know, actually other people listen to podcasts other than just our clients. So what, and so what was your, exploded. what was your, what was your business uh, or what is your business? The core founder, the, the 200 clients, what were you, what were you talking about? So <laughs> our business has morphed completely, uh, probably almost 180 since we started. But when we first started, we were teaching people a concept that you share the infinite banking concept where mm -hmm. you set up individual whole life insurance policies to, yeah. to do whatever, to finance business or finance investments. And sure. And we were having these conversations with people who would come in that were, at the time, we were what we like to say in the South, belly to belly business, where we had an office, people came in, they met with us, and we had clientele in the in the, in the physician world because my, my wife's background as a dentist, my brother-in-laws are both doctors as well, and then we had a bunch of real estate people because Joey was a former mortgage guy. And so we were having a lot of face-to-face -face conversations, and some of these guys were doing some pretty cool stuff. And... And I, I would have this like amazing idea come across my desk. I'd come out, I'd tell Joey, I'd tell some of the other guys in our office. I was like, man, it's really interesting what Jim's doing over here. And, you know, I thought about like, you know, who should be doing this is Dave. Dave, Dave would really be excited about this because he has that same criteria. And, but I was like, there was not a great way to share that message until this younger guy that was helping us do some, some basic marketing at the time said, create this podcast and start talking and, and sharing these ideas across it. And before you knew it, then the podcast morphed into where a hundred percent of our business went online and became fully digital. We now do, you know, business in all 50 States, but it also grew from being focused on one small segment because that was really just a tool into how do I actually become financially free? And what does all that look like and trying to uncover how do we be become better investors and, and so forth? 
Got it. And and who are the who is your audience? Who are you talking to typically? I mean, you know, I always talk about uh, one of the recommendations I always have for people who are starting a, a podcast or any show is is to have a clear avatar. And um, that was advice that I got that worked out really, uh, really well, because what it does is it really narrows in your, you know, it narrows in your message. I asked my question, I asked the question, um, is this idea or is this topic interesting or valuable to my avatar? And if the answer is yes, I'll do it on the show. If it's not, I won't. So Mine happens to be remarkably, uh, you know, a 40 something year old orthopedic surgeon. I was never an orthopedic surgeon, but my friends were orthopedic surgeons <laughs> and, uh, and that, that, uh, was interested in alternative investing was a little bit, you know, not convinced about the, the, the typical investing paradigms and wall street and all that. So I'm guessing it's somewhat similar, but what yeah. did you start with? A, did you start with a paradigm or a, some kind of, uh, uh, avatar. Yeah, we did. And it was our client because we honestly thought they were the only ones that were going to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And it, and that client was, um, just like me really at the time I was, uh, before getting into this space, I was working 50, 60 hours a week in the mortgage business. I was on the hamster wheel of being paid very well, but I was trading time at a, at a high rate. Um, I was at, at the time I was in my, my mid thirties and had a young family and more and more of my time was getting taken away from the people that I thought I was working so hard for. And I give, I give this picture just to, cause I think if you're anything like me, you'll know exactly what this feels like, but I would go on vacation with the family that I love so much. And it was my wife and my five daughters, by the way, I have five daughters, so you can pray for me after this buck. But um, I would send them down to the beach and say, hey, guys, I'll be right there. Right. I just have to take this one last phone call. Yeah. And what would happen? Three hours later, I'm walking down that boardwalk behind the, the beach condo or wherever we're at. And there's my family walking back up the same boardwalk. And they are just pissed. Like yeah. their face is just disgust. Like, I can't believe you're working on our vacation. You're here, but you're not here. And, and that is who we're talking to is the person that says, this isn't working for me. The way that I'm investing, the way that I'm working, the way I'm trading time, this is not freedom. And I ultimately want freedom. What do I have to do to be free and, and that's exactly what our whole entire ecosystem is built around. Right. So you owned a job is what you, uh, you did, right? I mean, you, people talk yes. about, uh, you know, we, we, we've referenced, uh, you know, when I was on your show, we referenced Robert Kiyosaki and talking about the W's and the S's and, 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 and uh, business owners, investors, you were clearly in an S space and what people don't understand about that a lot of times is that it's not it's it's almost worse right because when you're working for somebody else at least you can click out you can punch out or whatever and somebody else is you know responsible but when you are a business owner and you are the guy without you you there's no money to be made your hours you own a job you don't own a business right 100 percent. yeah and 
And it it shows because, like you said, the the office is always open as long as you have that cell phone or as long as you have that text message or that email, whatever the case is, you're a slave to. Um, and if you don't answer, right? Uh, in, in my in my case, it was in the mortgage business, so I had real estate agents, I had builders, I had existing clients. If they call and you don't answer it's almost somewhat of a commoditized business where they're like, oh, well, if you can't help me with the mortgage, then there's a thousand other mortgage people. I'll just call one of them. But you had to be that top of mind. You had to be the one that came through. And man, for that, you just literally are stuck on that hamster wheel. Got it. So you start this podcast and you start talking about, what do you start talking about? I mean, at the beginning, you guys were talking to your, you know, your, you were talking to your community. You were, you know, you were primarily focused on what we call wealth formula banking uh, um, and similar concepts to that in, in, in the infinite banking world. But you started sharing what others were doing in your community. Was that sort of the, was that sort of part of your content or what, how did it go? Right, exactly. It was really a lot of us had, had stacked a lot of cash. And we were sitting on it, but the question that kept coming up was, now what? What do I do with this money that I've built up? And in that world that we were in, there was not a lot of answers. I came out of the investment space, so I was an investment advisor. I was a certified financial planner for a number of years. And I didn't want to do that because I knew that's the reason I left that world is because when the market crashed in 08, nobody, nobody had answers. <laughs> and I, I, I get to see firsthand behind the curtain that the people there did not have the answers, which sent me out trying to seek them. And really all I did for a number of years was just stack cash, not knowing what to do with the money. So for us, we just started interviewing people as we started meeting people that were doing different investment opportunities. And it was amazing to us the world of investing was much bigger than what we thought. And, and really our audience, as Joey said, was very similar to us. Like many of the people that we had been doing business with for the previous 10 years were in our ecosphere, right? We went to the church together. We, we, we worked in similar businesses together. Our kids were in similar, you know, activities together. So we really were helping our friends to some degree. And so they had the same, I don't knows as we had. And we were trying to answer those questions. And it was interesting that even outside of Birmingham, Alabama, people didn't know what to do with money. <laughs> and we, yeah. we learned a lot through that process. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting, and it's an ongoing thing, right? I mean, um, I've been doing this for, you know, since you said 2017. And I guess when you, when you go back and look at 2017, and you um, now we're we're in different times, right? Now we are in a, an extremely uh, different environment where you know uh, some things uh, turned out well, some things don't turn out well. Sometimes it's because of the market. Sometimes because you find out literally that it, you know the tide goes uh, out and people are swimming naked, and literally there is nothing there except a. Uh, you know, uh, a naked guy who was raising capital for something that didn't exist. Right. So, right. so, so what did you, what kinds of things did you discover along the way? I guess the lessons learned along that. Well, one of the biggest things that we learned, Buck, as we were going down this path, Joey and I had made a lot of money personally. And so we had invested in a handful of things and we were trying to figure out for ourselves what, why certain things worked out well, why certain things didn't. And, and it 
it started to resonate after listening to a podcast one time, actually with one of your good friends, Tom Wilwright. Uh-huh. Tom was doing a podcast with the the son of of Colby. I can't remember what his first name is, but the the, the personality assessment tool, uh, Colby Index. He was having a, a podcast with them, and they were talking about this concept of investing, utilizing a personality assessment and connecting the dots to the things that people invested in and and why they resonated with certain things. And I, and I really started applying that in myself because I was a student of kind of personality assessments. I love like the disc. Ultimately we, we use a tool called culture index now a lot. I really love digging into that kind of psychoanalytics and what, what makes ourselves tick. And I started thinking about things that I had personally invested in, but really never, connected, you know, real estate was one of the first things I invested in probably like most people. And it was single family homes. And I I never really liked it. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize if it was just because I didn't have maybe the great results everybody else had, but it was really because it was a hands-off investment. It was something that it, it, yeah, if steady tried and true and all those things that real estate is, it has all the benefits, but I couldn't influence its outcome. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything with that specific property because I wasn't self-managing or anything like that, nor did I want to. And I wasn't having, it wasn't giving me that feedback loop to me was not positive. Just the cash flow alone was not enough to motivate me, but I would get involved in different businesses and I would have a lot of energy toward them. And I would invest a lot of money in them and results were actually really well. And I thought, well, maybe it's just business that I like, But one of the biggest insights we had from this whole process is that we realized that everyone has this, what we call investor DNA. We have this way that we see the world, this lens that we look through, and we resonate with certain types of investments when they line up with who we are. And correspondingly, you start seeing why certain people are having lots of success in certain areas is because they invest in things that line up with where they are. They'll invest a lot of money in them. They have the ability maybe because of their network to influence the outcome or to be able to benefit maybe from the tax uh, you know, strategies that, that could go with them. All of those things start connecting. And that would probably be one of the biggest things that we learned along the way is that there's a world of thousands of investments but how do we how do we narrow down the one or two three core areas that we should be investing in and it has to be more connected to who we are not just because Joey and Buck is having success there how about uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about the uh analysis the tools that you're using tell us a little bit about that and i guess some of the you know you 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 basically are it sounds like you're basically characterizing various types of people and what they, you know, what, what, um, you know, what, uh, they might resonate with most, uh, from the investing side, right? Like, so, so how does that, how does that work and what are the different categories that people fall into? Yeah. So, uh, if you have listened to or watched anything concerning the disc profile, um, there's four main categories, the D I S and C profile types, and what we did is we partnered with a, um, a group called People Keys who does this, and they built an actual assessment for people that come into our world, the investor DNA profile. And through that, it, we have been able to identify by working with operators 
or our own experience in about 11 different passive income sources. And we call this the passive income matrix. We hold that up against your profile type. And we talk about what are the things you're going to like about short-term rentals? What are the things you're not going to like? What are the cons to land flipping? And what are the key factors that are necessary to be successful in things like e-commerce or private lending or syndications for that matter. And once you have that, the, the real power behind it is that it starts to help you to get clear, right? It, it's almost like it acts as a filter to say, Hey, you know what? Like for instance, Buck, I'll just, I'll just give you an example. If you're a high D, let's say, Okay, a D in the DISC profile stands for like dominant or direct, right? Those are the kind of words that you would consider that personality type. And a D is going to think like there's some really positive things about short-term rentals. They're quick results. They have unique results. It's not like the the same old, same old thing that everybody else is investing in. It's kind of Uh like this unique thing. And you also have the ability to control that investment and have some influence to expand the business. So it's kind of got this, man, I love this because I can do all these things, but the things you wouldn't like about the short-term rental business as a D is you have to deal with consumers. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of dumb questions like, Hey, um, can you tell me where the spatula is in my, in my short-term rental? It's like, I don't want to answer questions like that. Right. Landlord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you want to hire out a channel manager to deal with people issues that require more finesse than you're willing or capable of doing as a high D. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, you you know, let's say that you're a different personality profile, like a an S or a C. Like, hey, can steady. we can we go through those real quick? What's sure. what's a what's an I for example? D I. I'm gonna let Russ take that because he is the king <laughs> of the odds. <laughs> well, well, so I mean, and this is you know not unique to DISC. Every profile tends to put people in uh-huh. four different areas. So okay. you have those driver profiles, surgeon, right? Like, I mean, it's very easy to say surgeon. Uh, Buck's a, a driver. He, he's a diamond. He wants to show up early. He wants quick results. Tell me what the yeah. benefit of that is, right? Mm-hmm. And the opposite end is I don't want all the details and I don't want to spend a bunch of time to try to figure it out. If you can't share with me really quickly, I'm off subject. The I is the profile that is more social, more influencing it. Like that's the person that really likes the way things look and uh, they're, they're not worried about the risk profile of things because they're, they're okay getting into things quickly, right? They're Uh early adopters into profiles. The opposite is, is that they don't do details either. And they, and they realize that and they're, they're fearful of how those things are going to fail and how that's going to make them look. The S profile is more steady, uh, cautious. They, they like, they like things to be stable, they're going to be more interested. This is more empathizers, right? We see a lot of people in that world in the healthcare field, m- maybe in like general practices, right? That that's the reason they got in there because they love people. They really want to spend time with people. They want to help people. And so anything that's new and uh, and different, they're they're going to push back. Uh-huh. I, I used to see that when I go spend time talking to to doctors. Uh, and teaching them about different areas, and I would teach them about all these new and exciting things, and they would look at me like. 
no, I don't want any of that. No, yeah. no, that, that's not exciting. That's or why I don't, C. that's why I don't try to target doctors. By <laughs> yeah, the way. Exactly, it's just like right? the worst. I, I mean, I, it's, I would leave out of there. So frustrated. Yeah. Like, that was so good. Why did they not resonate? Well, it's because that's not their profile. And yeah. they, the same, that's why they don't invest in things that are outside of that. The C profile is the analytical. That's the person who's like, show me the spreadsheet. Give me the numbers. I'll, I'll figure out whether or not the numbers and everything matches up. And if it does, then I'll invest. Yeah. So all the different opportunities that are out there, someone's looking from their unique point of view at it. They're saying, I want quick results if I'm a D. I want something that's exciting I can tell my friends about if I'm at high. I want something that's going to be tried and true and stable, regardless if it's boring and the returns aren't great. That's what I want. Or I want something that I can see the numbers on. I want to make sure all of those dots line up. And if they do, after I wait two and a half years, then I'll invest in the deal. Mm -hmm. That's typically the way people look at different investments. And whether it's pros to it, the cons to it. And there's different, you know, when we, we built this, we knew that not everybody would have all five of the, what we call the, the elements to do a deal. Now we, we, you know, we're in Alabama, so we use this redneck motor. It's not actually spelled correctly. And that's because in Alabama, nothing's spelled correctly. So the, the five elements to do a deal, and you've heard this, maybe not in this order. The M is for money, right? The O is for opportunity. The T is for the, um, time time that involved to do the deal. The E is for the experience and the R is for relationship. So there's, there's five elements to do every deal. Well, we knew not everybody was going to have money, right? I know a lot of your audience is making lots of income, but unfortunately what happens, even if they have high income, they end up putting their money in places they can't touch. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though they may on paper seem like they're worth a lot of money, as far as the ability to access dollars, not always can they do it. So, they need deals that they can get involved in that don't necessarily require money. Well, that what does that mean? They may have to have opportunity. Maybe they're in a circle where they're actually around a bunch of opportunities, spending time with you, listening to your deals, maybe got involved in some of the deals and they're saying, hey, I got access to opportunity. Maybe I can connect with people with money. Yeah. Or there's people who have, you know, thankfully gotten themselves out of trading time for money and they have time to, to invest, maybe not as much money, but they have time to invest. And so there's opportunities for them to get in there or they've got experience. Maybe like they're getting into opportunities where it requires someone with their experience level and they can get, you know, general partner um, percentages in a deal just based upon who they are and the experience that they have or the relationships that they have. And so when we built this out, we know that People are going to come across all these different spectrums and we're trying to figure out how do we help them ultimately solve for the financial freedom formula, which is just having more passive income than monthly expenses. And we knew that one, knowing who they were as an investor was going to be a big hang up. And two, knowing then what's the next right thing for them to invest in, because that's the question. Joey and I started Buck, I don't know if we, we've told you this before, but we started publishing our own personal passive income numbers to the world on our podcast back in 2020. And when we started doing that, we didn't have much passive income. Like we, we, I think we were like $2,300, $2,600 a month. And, and it was like, it wasn't a whole lot to report on, but <laughs> we, we knew that if we started reporting on what we were doing to the world 
it would create an opportunity for everybody else to learn from our experience. And as we started doing it every single month, obviously we started investing a lot more in deals that we understood and we started having a lot more results. And, you know, we've averaged somewhere around 40 to $50,000 a month since then. And it's because of staying in our lane, investing in the things that our investor DNA connected to, building out a buy box that made sure that we were focused on the cash flow things that helped us build more passive income than monthly expenses. Yeah. Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. You talked a little bit about um, you know people who don't have money to invest. Um, I mean, what do you what do you typically? I mean, we don't. Fortunately, in my audience, that's usually not the case. It's people we you know we have we we do have a lot mostly high uh, high income folks. But um, what do you tell those people? Are you also talking about people whose money's locked up in four hundred one k's and? saps and things like that is that 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 kind of what you're doing because i i i know you're 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 essentially talking about potentially being gps uh or getting percentage on gps and syndications that kind of thing is that kind of what you're alluding to or something else well what what really comes down to and, and first of all to to your point yes most people have fallen prey to the wall street mindset and the Wall Street mindset permeates over into the accountants of the world who encourage you to do things like 401ks and IRAs as like the only thing that they know in their toolbox to help you, quote unquote, save on taxes today. And we know that's a lie, right? That ultimately you're deferring both the taxes that you currently owe and the calculation in which you're going to owe them. And so the real question is, at what point do you pay the piper? Do you pay it on a known number today or are you signing a mortgage for the future and you don't even know what the interest rate is? Like that's ultimately, if if I can give people an analogy of what a deferment on your tax payment is, is you're really signing a a long-term debt obligation to the government. Uh, But regardless of the fact, the biggest thing that we find the people that are investing in 401ks and IRAs is they're also losing the ability to create freedom for themselves today because they're requiring themselves to get access to that money in their in their late 50s, early 60s and beyond. And man, the time with your family is today. Yeah. Like your kid is not going to want to throw the baseball with you when they're 36. Sure. Like that is not that's not how it works, right? When they're six, let's talk about that. Well, um, I, I, I want to jump in here too. One of the things that you asked about one, how are people investing in things without money? You talked about your your avatar as an orthopedic surgeon. Well, my brother in law is an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah, he has eleven kids, Buck, and makes a lot of money, right? But he spends kids. a lot of money just to manage the family. And trying to figure out how much extra time, right? Do I do another surgery? If I do, what does that cost me? Because it costs time with family. So one of the things that we've seen people do who didn't necessarily have lots of extra cash maybe to to invest is how do they actually build a business that can produce residual income? Uh And so one of the things that we've seen that our audience members have done at a really high level is finding things that they're naturally gifted at based upon their profile. Yeah. And they've built businesses in all different areas, e-commerce businesses, land flipping businesses. We've seen people that have built, you know, 10 million, $20 million in, 
and, and value and created twenty to fifty thousand dollars a month in residual income from these businesses by by utilizing some of those off hours, right? When they're not at the office, not seeing patients or whatever it may be, building a business using that skill set. Very similar to what you did. You know, you you started building other businesses based upon the the knowledge that you have and some of the yeah. giftings that you had early on. We've seen people build businesses in lots of different areas that maybe some people would like to invest in. Yeah. But others who say, well, I don't maybe have the money, but I can, I, I do have some of the time. I just have to use maybe the five to nine and, you know, both before and after um, I go into the office to be able to do that. One of the uh, things that, that we talked about, um, I think offline a little bit is a lot of the, um, the, the, the potential hazards out there when you're dealing with a number of different operators, when you're dealing with a number of uh, different opportunities. And it's, you know, I, and, and as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid that myself because I don't want exposure. It's not that everybody's bad, but I just don't have the time or the ability to vet out what everybody's doing and to find out if there is, um, you know, if, if it's legitimate, if there's, you know, uh, if you've talked about, is there a Ponzi scheme going on? Things like that. How do you, how do you have a broad uh, approach like that and still, I guess, try to prevent that kind of thing from happening? I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm sure you're not giving investment advice in that regard. Um, but I guess you are, you are suggesting that people look at various operators and things like that, or are you, um, what's your process? I guess is my question on that, because that, yeah. that to me seems like something that is a very important thing for people who would be involved. Yeah. It, the most common question we get is what do, what should I invest in? And our immediate response is we will not tell you. Right. We're not investment advisors. Yeah. I used to be an investment advisor. I used to have all of the securities licenses. I don't want to manage money anymore. I have. Yeah. I, I'm interested in managing my own money, not yours. Yeah. So what we what we decided to do is to create frameworks to build yeah. models that allowed people to better understand how it would work for them. And then also we realized that people they they need community. And we knew that if we built um, opportunities for people to see deals, so for instance, we run several different masterminds, an opportunity comes in that, you know, it had to be referred in there. It wasn't like somebody just came off the street or somebody could pitch the group if, if they were unknown. That wasn't the case. But also we know that not all deals will work out even if the operator is quote unquote trustworthy. Sure. So what we did is that we gave someone, you know, we would give an opportunity, a platform so that they could share in the group. We would ask questions as a group. Then we would move the, the, the speaker, the presenter. And as the, um, then we go around. So our mastermind typically between 30 to 50 members will show up. And what we do book is we say, okay, uh, Joey, on a scale of one to 10, what did you think about that investment opportunity and why? And the why is way more important than what his number was. Because Joey's experience as a mortgage professional would bring in the elements of due diligence and all the backgrounds that he had to do going into that world. If I asked you as a surgeon, 
fuck. On a scale of one to 10, what did you think about that opportunity and why? Now you're going to bring in a whole different intellectual <laughs> background as to why you like it or don't like it. And so what, what we did with that is we, we believe that that would give people exposure to a lot of opportunities, but more importantly, to the insights. There's thousands of deals that have been done in that room. And each person from a fighter pilot to someone who, you know, has sold, you know, multiple seven figures and music royalties, they have completely different viewpoints on the world and they bring a certain insight that I wouldn't see. So there's plenty of times where there was a deal that I actually kind of pitched the, uh, the sponsor, the, the deal provider to the group. And I was excited about investing in it. And by the time we went around the room, I was like, no chance. I'm not going to do it because I didn't think about this, this or this, you know, sure. that high eye, low details and and vice versa, where I've seen deals are like, there's no way I'm going to invest in this. I don't even know why we have this person talking. And I got super excited about it because of things that I learned from other people's perspective. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, Buck, I think the, the main, the, like our process ultimately is to make you in a, a better investor. Right. If like because we don't manage money, we you have to be the investor. We are not going to invest for you. We're not going to advise you on that in any way, shape or form. So what do we do? We want to create a process that actually coaches you on what do you need to do to build your investment buy box? What do you need to do to know your investor DNA profile? Like if you have these tools and these frameworks, then and only then can you feel confident that you're investing in the right operators in the right deals and they match up with who you are? But if you get that, man, that is the difference maker of being uh, from being, you know, susceptible to someone else managing your money and abdicating that responsibility and taking personal control. I think you've even shared this with me that you started to see that finance is a very personal process and should be treated as such. But man, we have been duped by Wall Street and big banks to say, man, you, you're not smart enough. You're too busy. You need to give up your money to me. We're way better at it than you are. And just leave it to us. Of course, we're not yeah. going to take any of the responsibility for the results, but just leave it to us. And it's just not true. Yeah. I mean, granted, just just in all fairness, there's plenty of duping going on outside of Wall Street too, as we've seen in the last few years. But uh, but yeah, fair enough. Well, guys, this has been a, a very interesting conversation. Um, interesting stuff you're doing over there. Um, well, without Wall Street, um, tell us a little bit about how uh, people can. Um, how can they? Uh, well, where do they find out more about you guys? And you know, obviously, the show itself. I'm assuming is available everywhere. Yeah, it is. Uh, I and my, our moms have told us so, so um, <laughs> we take the word for it. But yeah, if you want to find out more details, if this investor DNA concept is interesting to you, you just want to join our free community. We have about 8,000 members now in a, in a community that we talk about just concepts that around, you know, becoming financially free, being in a community of people who are wanting to do the same thing. All that can be found. You go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash wealth formula. And we built a page just, just there for them. And they, they can interact with us on social or YouTube or whatever it may be. And we'd love to uh, try to help them uh, answer questions and, and show them some of the things that we've learned along the way. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. And I'd uh, love to have you on again sometime in the near future. Thank you, Buck. Our pleasure, Buck. We'll be right back. 
Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Wealth without Wall Street. You can have it. It can be all yours. Yeah, so, you know, check out uh, check out their show. Should be interesting, a different perspective. You know, I think uh, it, it, it may be of value to, to run through their their program and see what kind of investor you are if you if you don't have a good sense of that as well. That being said, I also want to remind you if you're looking for other shows to listen to over this holiday, check out Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Now that is going to uh, help you figure out uh, other parts of uh, your life that are equally important to wealth, specifically health. It is a show about longevity and longevity science and all that kind of stuff. There's even a free download. There's a free, there's a book I wrote. It's like 35 pages long. It's really quick, but I can pretty much guarantee if you read that and follow it, and if you're not already doing all that stuff, probably add a couple years to your life just by doing that. It's not that hard. I'm not, I'm not even joking. It's called Living Longer for Busy People, and that it's, that's at sapiopodcast.com. Anyway, check it out. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Jaffrey. Merry Christmas. And I will catch up with you in the new year. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.